Hi, everyone. This is Ron Jolson, and you're listening to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Good morning, everybody. And we're super excited to uh, be in March now and having our third uh, Christian Fellowship Community Forum meeting. Um, we're super excited for today. And let me introduce our speakers. So Bill Hull, you guys probably all know, he's been with us for a number of years now. He's the author of over 33 books, uh, copied in, in uh, tons of languages all over the world. Over half a million of, of those um, have been uh, sold. He's been a uh, alumnus of the year at Oral Roberts University, where we went to school. He was a college athlete and, and went on to play uh, athletes with athletes in action for many years after that. And But he's really just been a friend to Northwestern Mutual, an amazing and gifted speaker and author and theologian. And we've just been super excited to have him as part of our team, just kind of shepherding us as we kind of explore how we're able to just, um, you know, communicate the word to uh, those you know, that, that come into the fold at Northwestern. Ron, now, I was super excited that Ron is our guest. He happens to be one of my favorite people at Northwestern Mutual. Uh, known Ron now for about 10 years. Uh, he was the CIO running the entire Prudential before he came to Northwestern. And for the last 10 years, he's been running Northwestern Mutual's entire general account. I mean, I you know, uh, other than perhaps uh, Mr. Slishke, to me, who's out there in the trenches, you know, uh, helping their clients make decisions. Ron has been extremely important to my career because he's allowed us to go provide such incredible value to our clients. But but maybe even as importantly, Ron is incredibly approachable. He's funny. He's super smart, obviously. Um, maybe some things you didn't know about Ron. He is a uh, pretty good euchre player. We've got a chance to play a lot of euchre over the years, but he's an incredible um, magician. So next time you see him at maybe the annual meeting or at forum or wherever you guys are seeing him, please make sure that he always has a uh, deck of cards with him. And please make sure that you ask him to do a couple tricks because they are impressive. I will, I will admit he's married to Renee and Ron has four children and seven grandchildren. We're really super excited to have him with us. Thank you so much. And I'm going to leave it to you too, Bill and Ron, and, and get us going. Thanks, Keith. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, just don't take your wallet when you're with him, right? <laughs> exactly, yes. All right. So it's great to have Ron with us today. And I know that Ron is very passionate about a number of things. Uh, he... Uh, particularly as it relates to today's subject, the idea of faith at work and how you integrate uh, the sacred and the secular, you know, how these two things come together and some of the problems we have doing that, some of the challenges we have. And I, I just want to start with a simple quote from uh, the great philosopher, the late Dallas Willard, who said, if Jesus were to come and to live in your house and to drive your car and to be a member of your family and hold down your job and pay your bills and take out your trash, that there would be no, in no way would that hinder him from actually became, becoming the savior of the world. In other words, the most startling truth for a lot of people is that Jesus was not clergy. He was not a, quote, paid holy man. He was just a guy who worked in a small village 
for the first 30 years of his life and hardly anybody noticed. And today we're going to be talking about that, how you blend those two things. And so, uh, Ron, uh, welcome. And I'd like just to start with a simple question. Uh, tell us a bit about your faith journey. Give us a little background so we know. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Thanks, Bill. And thank you, Keith, as well. Um, well, I have a Jewish background, uh, which was uh, always important to me from an identity perspective. Uh, my father was actually a Holocaust survivor, and that's a whole probably two hour discussion. Um, but anyway, I had married a Christian woman. And at the time, uh, her faith was a little bit less important to her. And in fact, we had decided to raise our children as Jews. And uh, but she did insist on one thing. She wanted to celebrate Christmas, which was a little bit. This not disturbing to me. I didn't quite know what to do with it, but I felt it was only fair if we were going to do this. And so I said, all right, well, I, I better learn a little bit about Jesus. And so I started reading Matthew. And the first thing I noticed was, wow, what an incredibly Jewish book it is. Um, and then I began about a two year uh, study where I looked at every Old Testament prophecy uh, about the Messiah I uh, began to investigate and I saw Jesus Christ in the Passover uh, all over the place from the blood of the lamb to uh, something that I had done every year as a Jewish person celebrating Passover, breaking matzah, matzah, which is unleavened, which I learned leaven was um, really symbolic for sin. So we were breaking an, uh, a sinless piece of bread and Jesus called himself the bread of life. And he was born in Bethlehem, which is actually Hebrew is Beit Lechem, house of bread. So I began to see all of these things. Uh, and I very quickly came to realize that he was, in fact, the Jewish Messiah. Uh, and of course, that I uh, maybe I, I started a little bit kicking and screaming because it, it alienated me from my family. Uh, but they eventually kind of got over that and, and got past it. Uh, and um, it's been a, uh, an incredible journey ever since. Well, you were a very young man at that time. And subsequently, you have been working out what it means to be a Christian all these years, uh, a follower of Jesus, his disciple. And so what have you learned about the marketplace and about faith at work? Well, Bill, you know, somebody once said uh, either Jesus Christ is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. And I think that's where it really does begin. Somehow or another, uh, we have gotten it into our heads in our society that there's this pecking order, you know, that we start with bishops and maybe we go to pastors and then we have ordained clergy and, and then we get to computer programmers and uh, bank clerks and financial advisors. And we sort of think that, well, unless you're at the high end of that uh, pecking order, uh, then, you know, you really can't be uh, focused too much on God, except maybe for an hour on Sunday. Uh, but let's kind of remember, and you alluded to this uh, in your opening remarks, you know, Abraham was a cattle trader and, and Joseph was a prime minister. And I think he traded wheat futures. I'm an investment guy. That's, that's how I interpreted it. Uh, you know, Luke was a doctor and, and uh, Tabitha was a seamstress. And of course, Paul was a tent maker and he worked with Priscilla and Aquila and they were tent makers. And you had Matthew, the tax collector. And by the way, Jesus was a carpenter and probably a stonemason based on what we know of first century uh, carpentry. So, um, you know, if nothing else, that should help you maybe unlearn this fallacy uh, as to um, 
approached David, you know, he he was like the runt of the litter. He's the last person you would have expected. Uh, and I think there were six older brothers, all of whom probably would have been uh, a better choice, except that God, of course, looks at the heart. And if you go to 1 Samuel 16, let me read this, uh, verse 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider this appearance uh, or, or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. And so David was, in fact, chosen, but he was not called into ministry. He was called to be a leader. He was called to be a, a king, if it will. And if you start looking at the Hebrew words for work, there's several of them. Ebed is one. Uh, Aved is another one. And they uh, combine this concept of work, of service or ministry, and even worship. So you have sort of these multiple um, uh, components of what work is. And we have compartmentalized work. But in fact, it was never meant to be that way. And so I think we need to start thinking of Christ beyond this point of salvation, which is, of course, really important, and thinking about how we are living our lives uh, for Jesus Christ. And that's the beginning of getting away from compartmentalization uh, and, and moving into the daily walk of our lives. Yeah, I've often said, I've often been humored by Christians who say, well, work has nothing to do really with faith because uh, the faith economy is just believing things where work, you know, is producing something. And when I thought about that, the first person to really work was God mm -hmm. and he created in creation. And in fact, he rested from his work and he said it was very good. And so I think that the work of God, and we always talk about Christians as God is working, God is at work. So when I remember Dallas Willard once said, you know, when somebody asked him, how do you get Christ into your work? He says, well, go in and sit down. So tell us a bit about how those two things blend, like how, how you've thought of your daily life, Ron, working. You go there and you're looking at computers or figures and trying to figure out what to do with this billion dollars versus that billion dollars. And uh, so how does how does God come into all that? Uh, you know, I think one of the first things, Bill, that I think about, it's a little bit of the why. OK, so so why are you working? Are you working to get rich? Are you working to uh, fulfill goals? Are you working to um, create wealth? Uh, maybe you want to avoid being a burden on other people. I think those whys uh, are really, really important. But I, I would submit that if you start to think of what your purpose of work is, our purpose in work, as in everything, is actually to glorify God. And we do that both uh, away and from work and at work. So uh, Colossians 3.23, and we'll throw this out too, uh, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. That's the beginning of it, I think. When you start to uh, really embrace that um, in, in your heart and, and you realize that that is your why and your reason, everything else will really come to you. And, and I think this is a little bit like mirroring salvation. Let me, uh, maybe I'll go down a little rabbit trail here for a moment. But if you think about your salvation, why do you work, uh, do good works? You don't do good works for salvation. That was done at the cross, right? So the reason you do good works is because of what you've already been given, what was already done at the cross, what was already given to you as a gift of salvation 
salvation. And your good works is really gratitude out of love of God. And you do it as a result of your salvation. And I think this translates really well into the work world, too, because if if your reason for um, uh, doing your work is to simply get rich, you're kind of missing the point. Uh, a lot of what I've done in my career and in my life has been to help people. I recognize uh, that people are at the heart of God's of, of what God is important to God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, but also love your neighbor as yourself. That summed up the entire law. So if you are doing that in the workplace, if you are looking for ways to impact people, or if you're a financial advisor and you're looking for ways to impact your clients, and that is your reason and your motive, then all the rest will be given unto you. Put the kingdom first and the rest will be given to you. So I think we have to just rearrange maybe our priorities and what's important. And you will be amazed what the success is that follows. I was one. Uh, a lot of times the next natural question is tell us about the hard times. But I like to I like to talk about the good times. In other words, how have you handled success? Because yeah, I, I think it was Thomas Carlyle, the Scottishman, who said that for every person that can handle prosperity, you know, there's uh, 10 or 11 that can't. And so Boy, how, do you, how do you handle prosperity? How do you handle success when it comes to you? You you had better walk away with one of the most important things, and that is humility. Uh, and, and if you handle success and you start thinking uh, that it's all you, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, because, uh, you know, you see this all the time with sports players, you know, they, they score a touchdown and, they, and they're pointing upward. I used to think, well, that's kind of corny. I actually don't think that anymore. I think uh, maybe in some cases it is. But but I think people need to understand that the gifts that we have come directly from God. Um, you can get into the motivational gifts if you want to look at scripture in Romans uh, 12, 6 through 8, and kind of tick through them, things like prophecy, but also serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, mercy. Those gifts and how you apply them, that becomes um, a really important part of success. But you better you better have a certain amount of humility. And if you start thinking that uh, your success is everything that you're doing, well, we know what happens. Pride goeth before Heath. Well, not the fall, but destruction, actually. I knew you were <laughs> going to get that wrong. So uh, that's why I helped you. Um, yeah, it goes before destruction. And that's and that's really true. So that's the first thing. Make sure that in your success, you recognize where it's come from. And if you really look back on it, you can probably actually identify how your Christian walk has been linked to your success. Do a little introspection and do that because it will keep you humble. Uh, I know that uh, when we talked a, a bit before this interview today, we talked about seed time and harvest and about yeah. the investment of time and, and finances and everything else. Tell us a bit about the seed time and harvest concept uh, that you've talked about before. Yeah. So um, you can find it in uh, Matthew chapter six. It's the, uh, you know, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear uh, good food fruit. So um, I think it's really important. And it's it's actually um, it's actually part of the way I try to apply the gifts that I have been given. Right. So if you think about the principles of seed time and harvest. The first is, of course, you reap what you sow, uh, and that's 
by the way, it's true both from a positive and a negative perspective. If you're going to uh, plant discourse and trouble in your office and in your life, you're going to see it uh, and you're going to see it and it's going to come back at you uh, multiple times because that's the second principle, which is we actually reap more than we sow. Right. If we plant a seed uh, and, and you look at Second uh, Corinthians, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will reap generously. You can see that happen. So the seeds that you plant, whether it's discourse or positive, really uh, grow in your career and in your life. And I see that most in people and people that I mentor. I've had people come up to me. I, you know, I maybe I made a throwaway comment 10, 15 years ago that I thought might be helpful to somebody. I never thought anything of it. And they come back to me and 10 years later and they say that I had that had more impact on me than anything I heard. And this is what I did with that. And I'm like blown away. I, I didn't even realize it. And that has happened multiple times. And I'm guessing uh, many of you, uh, Keith and Bill, I, I, I'm sure you have seen this. You plant that small seed, you care for it, right? You you tend to the seed and then it, it produces. Uh, and of course, we know another principle of that is it's going to be produced in a different season. So we have to have patience and we have to wait for those seeds to grow. Uh, but, but I really think that if you take your gifts and your talents and you apply them at the workplace, you will see amazing things happen and journal everything so that you don't forget where it came from and so that you know who to attribute it to. Um, and I think that's another problem that we have. We don't um, we 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 see at the time something happening and we just forget about it. If you start journaling it, if you start recording the things where you've seen God act in your lives, you're going to see amazing work. Please, please, please remember that you shouldn't be spending your whole Christian life and walk in the in the mode of salvation. OK, you were saved. Jesus died on the cross. You were saved when that happened. But now the Holy Spirit is in you and that gives you incredible power. It gives you authority and it gives you ability to act uh, free from sin and power to do that. And you can begin to now work with Christ in the workplace in order to achieve something. So if I could if just be encouragement, it's important for us to get past that. Uh, I know that we're very focused and committed on the Great Commission and, and, and people coming to know the Lord. And that's all very, very important. But there's so much more to that. And I guess that's something I'd like to uh, make sure people are encouraged by. There's so much, Ron, that we could get into here. Uh, I do think that we also discussed about the idea of compound interest. And I remember this lady, I was being treated in a chiropractor's office and she would, I'm, I'm talking to her about compound interest. And she's like 21 years old, wondering what to do with a little bit of money she had. And I felt like, well, this must be what my buds at the uh, at Northwestern Mutual do all the time. And so I was talking to her about it. And then I figured out I only knew so much, but I said, the idea is that, you know, over the years, it just keeps compounding and compounding. And if you sow good things to the spirit, it compounds, it compounds, it compounds. If you sow, sow, sow negatives, it compounds as well. And I think a lot of people don't think about that. And I think that's also part of seed time and harvest. It, it is part of seed time harvest. And you can also see this when you walk through my work manual. You know what your work manual is, Bill? It's Proverbs. 
If you want to have a manual on how to be successful at work, go through Proverbs. You will, you'll see the humility point. You'll learn about seeking counsel and wisdom, how active prayer, the importance of character, um, the and, and this is what made me think of it, the avoidance of the get rich quick scheme, right? So the whole point of compound interest and the time that it takes and the work that it takes, this is all in Proverbs, folks. You should be reading that before you read the manual on how to be a great financial advisor, because it will tell you everything you need to know. I've done a whole work study on that book alone, and it's fascinating. So, <laughs> you know, it says in Proverbs, uh, uh, even a fool seems wise if he does not speak. So I'll stop. And uh, what we'll do right now is, you know, we're going to go into our groups and uh what have you been learning today from Ron Jolson? And there's a lot that you could be learning today from Ron. And then also, uh, what one or two things can you immediately apply moving forward? And if you have a story about sowing and reaping, please share it with the group. So let's go to groups. And then Ron and I will be back in a few minutes. Okay, is Ron back? That's the question. Yes, sir. I'm right here. Okay, very good, Ron. Well, Ron. Uh, I always find these uh, conversations very enlightening and helpful. What did you hear and what what excited you about what you heard? You know, um, and just as we were talking and I was listening to my group, and it was a, it was just a great group. And it I noticed that people there, they already had their why down. Right. And, and I think I realized why that is. It's because. That the, the business that you're in, being financial advisors, you are already in a place where you care about clients, you care about each other. Um, it's a head start. It really is. A lot of people are in professions where it's really difficult for them to know exactly why they're doing what they're doing. And they tend to move right to this. I need to make money. I need to do this and that. Uh, but you already have it. And somebody in the group actually said, if that's not your why, if your why is not about things that are more than temporal, uh, you're not going to even last. And I just thought, wow, that that's really powerful uh, in our business. We should be really grateful and thankful that we are in a business that enables us in a way to really practice our Christian faith uh, in a way that that God will will honor, in, in my view. So that's what I walked away with. Well, a lot of people in our group, uh, they wanted to talk about how you recommended reading Proverbs. They wanted to know if there's any kind of assistance they could get in reading Proverbs. I, I have uh, some notes on that. Okay, uh, so yeah, tell us all about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't have them with me, but I did a I did a walk through Proverbs and I basically started pulling out uh, all of the scriptures that I think would help me at work and categorize them into different things like humility, like wisdom, et cetera. Um, the importance of finding counsel, people that have the heart, the right heart. Um, there's even some warnings in there about not giving counsel to people that um, uh, that don't have a right heart. So there are things in there that really do require some discernment. Um, and I guess, Brittany, I, I could get that to you uh, if that would be helpful. And it's not great. exhaustive, uh, but but I would be happy if you want to if you email, I'll send it to Brittany. And then if you email her, maybe she could send that out. Is, does that work? Uh, we okay. can make that work. I'll speak for her, even though she's muted. <laughs> it's a great opportunity for me to speak for Brittany. <laughs> uh, and so, Ron, um, also, what would be the one thing 
that you would advise us to start doing right now and why? Yeah, so uh, I do like the idea of of thinking about what your spiritual gifts are. So those motivational gifts uh, kind of walk through them and try to do some introspection because those are the things that you probably want to focus on and use to apply at your work. And then think about seed time and harvest and other ways that you can begin to apply those at work and then journal it and watch what happens and watch how God honors that uh, in your life. And of course, your faith will grow as you actually see that happen before your eyes. But if you don't write it down and you don't journal it, you may forget uh, where, it, where it came from. Yeah. Ron, this has been so enriching. Thank you so much. Uh, I think that many people will probably want to see this because they missed it. And uh, we just hope that it will be a tremendous success and uh, really help people grow in their faith and also find faith. So thank you, Ron Jolson. And back to you, Keith. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was really amazing. People in my breakout room in Dallas, we all just, it was just an uh, incredible dialogue that we had. And thank you so much, Ron. You are getting just for the record, a lot of uh, requests uh, to perhaps be a speaker at our main breakfast, which I think would be a great idea. Being on the board, sure. I think, you know, it, it card tricks super, followed super awesome. by, you know, card tricks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So thank you so much for this. And, it, and it, I mean, the comments, it's just great to see and for others to see you. I mean, I know you, but uh, for others to see you in the, in the light that you've, um, you know, been able to, to show us today, it's been great. I mean, so many people are saying they saw, they're seeing a whole nother side of Ron Jolson, which is amazing. So thank you for that. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, visit our website, www.christianfellowshipcommunity.org. The Christian Fellowship Community is an independent, not-for-profit corporation. CFC is supported by volunteers and through donations from its participants. Neither CFC nor this episode are endorsed by, affiliated with, or promoted by Northwestern Mutual.